Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. The following program is made possible through the sponsorship of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship and through the generous giving of faithful donors like you. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, you can visit us at awordforlife.com. Welcome to A Word for Life. A Word for Life is the radio ministry of the Word of Life Bible Fellowship, located in Tacoma, Washington. And now, here's Pastor Michael Fields with A Word for Life. So Matthew, the eighth chapter, dear ones, we're going to start at verse five. Notice, if you will, what the word of the Lord declares, which it says, and when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus says unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Dear ones, on today, I would like for us to continue on in our discussion concerning this mosaic of faith that Matthew is giving to us uh, by taking a look at the second picture of faith that Matthew gives to us that is found for us here in Matthew, the eighth chapter, verses five through 13. We started talking about this last Sunday, and I started to try and help us to understand that Matthew in his discussion um, concerning Jesus at this point in time, he's giving to us a mosaic of faith. Uh, A a mosaic is a a picture that is made up of a lot of other smaller pictures. And so Matthew is giving us this mosaic concerning the issue of faith 
And the bigger picture that he's trying to communicate to everybody is that Jesus is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. And he shows this and displays this to everybody by showing that Jesus has authority and power over sickness, over death, over the demons, and over nature itself. And so we want to take a look at the second of these pictures that Matthew is showing to us. And that, as I said, is here in Matthew, the eighth chapter, verses five through 13. And from, from this picture that we're going to be looking at on today, dear ones, what I would like for us to see is I want for us to see what it is and what it looks like for a person to have confident faith. What it is and what it looks like for a person to have confident faith. Um, Now, in using the phrase confident faith, I am not trying to sound catalogical. The word catalogical basically means um, I'm not trying to say the same thing by using different words. So you say the, you're saying the same thing, but you're using different words to try to say it. The, the official term for that is tautologic, tautological or tautologic. Um, it would be like me saying, you know, that's salty salt <laughs> or that's sweet sugar. You know, well, if it's sugar, it's going to be, I ain't never tasted bitter sugar. So if you say it's sugar, it's automatically going to be sweet. Saying it's sweet sugar or salty salt or, or hot fire. You know, you're saying the same thing, but you're just using different words basically to say the same thing. Amen. So when I talk about confident faith, I'm not trying to say the same thing just by using different terms. Because many people, they automatically equate a person having faith in something or having faith concerning something um, with them having a measure of confidence and assurance concerning the thing that they're saying they have faith about. So you say you have faith, well, automatically in my mind, I'm believing you have a measure of confidence about that. You have a measure of assurance about that. And that is enabling you to have faith concerning that. But dear ones, how many of you have ever had the experience in your life, like I've had many times, where you are professing to have faith in something and you still got questions in your mind about it? You're not fully persuaded in your mind. You're professing to have faith But you are not fully persuaded about that issue. And so there are still questions. There are still things lingering in your mind that are hindering your ability to have true, confident faith. And hold your finger here in Matthew. I feel my help coming already. I feel the Holy Ghost getting ready to talk to somebody on today. The Lord is going to talk to somebody on today because I sense the Lord telling me some of you need this on today. Some of you need this on today. It's not a matter of, because you can talk about faith all day long. But see, the thing about it is, dear ones, nobody, even the person sitting next to you, even the person that came with you, they rode with you in the car. You talked all the way up to church. You were driving in the car. You were listening to gospel songs together and you were singing and rocking in the car, having a good old time enjoying the Lord. Not even that person that is that close to you can know the doubts that go on in your mind, even though with your mouth you're saying you believe something. Even with your lips you're saying, well, I believe God, I'm trusting God, I have faith. They can't see the doubts, but guess who can see them? The Holy Ghost can see them. He can see the doubt. He can see the questions. He can see the uncertainties. And the Lord is impressed upon me to let somebody here know today, he's come to talk to you about this. He's come to talk to you about this, having confident faith. Let's look at James real quickly. James, the book of James, the first chapter. I want to read real quickly just a few verses of scripture. We're going to get back to Matthew, but I want for us to look at James, the first chapter, because James says something to us there that we want to take note of. James in the first chapter, verse five, he says, if any of you lack wisdom, 
Let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. So if you lack wisdom in concerning an issue, if you are lacking in your understanding of, of it, James says, ask God. He will help you. He gives wisdom to everybody liberally. And he will not rebuke you or upbraid you for asking for wisdom. But then notice what he goes on to say, verse 6. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Now notice a couple things. James uses the word waver there. And that word waver in the Greek, it means to be separated within oneself. To be separated within oneself. In other words, and so it's like part of you believes something. But another part of you still has questions and doubts concerning it. Lord have mercy. I'm talking about some of us on today. Part of you believes it. But there is a percentage. There, it, it might just be 10%. It might just be 5%. might all the way be down to 2%. But there's a part of you that still is doubting. Amen. Still has questions. It, 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 it's as if part of you is confident about it. But another part of you still got some questions. Dave's, J, J, James says, don't be wavering. Nothing wavering. In other words, you have, you have to get to the place where you are 100% confident in your faith. Then he goes on to say, because he that wavers is like a wave of the sea that is driven with the winds and tossed. And he, what he is describing here is a condition where you are back and forth. You are up and down in your confidence, in your assurance, and in your willingness to believe something. You're back and forth. Today you believe it, tomorrow you don't. Today you're good, tomorrow you're not. To, right at, at 12 o'clock you're okay. At 2 o'clock you, you call me a pastor. Are you sure? Can you pray for me? Because you're doubting again. You're back and forth. You're up and down. You're in, you're out. James says you're like a wave of the sea that's just driven with the wind. It, it, it's, it's, it's as if you're going back and forth. You're wondering one moment, did you make the right decision? And another moment you're saying, I made the right decision. I'm sure I made the right decision. But then another moment comes and you're questioning again, did I make the right decision? You're going back and forth. And to be driven with the wind is to have the next latest piece of information, be it good or bad, strongly impact you to go in that particular direction. So if it's good information that you hear, I knew God was going to work it out. I knew God was going to make a way. I knew God was going to bless. If it's bad information, oh Lord, oh please help Jesus. The devil is attacking. The devil is moving. Lord, help me Jesus. I need your help, Lord. Whatever piece of information, it's driving you. You're like the wind that's driving something. Somebody say amen. Y'all know what it looks like to have the wind drive something. When that wind gets in that sail, it just drives it. And it just moves you in that direction. The enemy sends a bad piece of information and it moves you toward doubt. The Lord sends you a good piece of information and it moves you toward faith. And so you're just going back and forth whatever piece of information comes. Good information, moving you toward faith. Bad information, moving you toward doubt. You're just going back and forth. James says that has to stop. You need to be, you have to stop being like that. Have confident faith. And, and notice, notice, dear ones, last thing, then we're going to go back to Matthew. But notice that James says, he says, for, he says in that last verse, verse 8, he says, A double-minded man is unstable 
in all of his ways. Not some of his ways, not certain ways, all of his ways. In other words, here we go now. The mark of uncertainty is the hallmark of every decision that you make. We will get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message in just a moment. But we wanted to take a moment to share with all of you that the aim of our radio ministry at the Word of Life Bible Fellowship is to share the good news of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible and to strengthen and edify the body of Christ through Bible teaching that is both clear and relevant. We would like to see this ministry go even farther in accomplishing this work, but in order for us to be able to do that, we need your help. If you are able, after you have given to the support of your own local home church, if you are able to help us with the cost of airing this program on the station, we would greatly appreciate it. All donations are tax-deductible, and they can be sent to The Word of Life Bible Fellowship, P.O. Box 8903, Tacoma, Washington, 98418. And if you would like to learn more about our ministry and be able to listen to some of the archived messages from Pastor Fields, you can do so by visiting us at our website, which is awordforlife.com. And now, let's get back to Pastor Fields and to today's message. And so you're just going back and forth, whatever piece of information comes. Good information, moving you toward faith. Bad information, moving you toward doubt. You're just going back and forth. James says, that has to stop. You need to be, you have to stop being like that. Have confident faith. And and notice, notice, dear ones, last thing, then we're going to go back to Matthew. But notice that James says, he says says in that last verse, verse 8, he says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Not some of his ways, not certain ways, all of his ways. In other words, here we go now. The mark of uncertainty is the hallmark of every decision that you make. Uncertainty becomes the hallmark of every choice, of every decision that you make in your life. You doubt everything, you question everything, you second-guess yourself on everything. You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. James says, a double-minded man, you're unstable in all of your ways. There's no stability in your mind and in your life. And so, and so we want to see what it is to have confident faith. We want to begin to take note of what the Lord says to us here in Matthew, the 8th chapter. Now, as we look at this text of Scripture, dear ones, notice what it says, starting at verse 5. It says... Of Matthew the 8th chapter. He says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him, and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Now, as we begin to look at our text, dear ones, the first thing that we want to address is the apparent discrepancy and the apparent contradiction that some have pointed out in this passage of Scripture that we have here in Matthew, the eighth chapter, because Matthew's account of what is happening here, as it is compared to Luke's account of what is happening, is somewhat different. There is some obvious differences, because Matthew's account, Matthew gives it one way, Luke gives the same account of this situation, but he gives it in a completely different way. 
And so there is this apparent discrepancy that exists that we want to address. Uh, Because as I said, in Matthew's account, we see the centurion himself coming to Jesus and making these requests. But in Luke's account that is given to us in Luke, the seventh chapter, in Luke's account of things, we see the centurion first sending the Jewish elders to speak to Jesus on his behalf and then later on sending some of his friends to speak to Jesus on his behalf. But at no point in time does the centurion himself go and address Jesus personally. And so Matthew says the centurion himself went to speak to Jesus. Luke says the centurion sent representatives to speak on his behalf, but he himself never went and talked to Jesus personally. And what I would like to submit to all of you, dear ones, is that what we have here is an example of the same story being told, but it's being told from different perspectives and it's being told using different styles of writing. You have the same story being told, but it's being told from different perspectives and it's using different styles of writing. When you look at Luke's gospel, dear ones, you will notice that Luke has a lot more detailed information than any of the other gospel writers. Luke is very detail oriented because Luke, the Bible lets us know, was a doctor. He was a physician. By, by, by practice, by occupation, Luke was a physician. Well, as a doctor, you have to be detail-oriented. You have to take notes and, and make sure that everything is done correctly. And so when Luke was writing out his gospel, he used the same type of expertise that he had to be detailed in his writing of the events of Jesus Christ, in the events of the life of Jesus Christ. And so with Luke's gospel, Luke uses language that is graphic, that is exact, that is precise, because he is trying to help a person see exactly what happened and exactly how it happened and how it all took place. That's what Luke is trying to show. He's trying to show you exactly how it happened. But with Matthew, Matthew's goal is to give the overall summarization of the events that took place. Matthew's not trying to tell you exactly by each detail. Matthew is trying to give you the big picture of it. This is what happened. And so instead of say instead of Matthew saying that the centurion sent people to Jesus to represent him, when Matthew tells the story, Matthew just says that the centurion came to Jesus. Because by sending people to Jesus, in essence, that's what he did. Amen. Everybody understand what I'm saying? But if, if I was to send Sean to go talk to Sister Lori, then Lori came back to me and said, Pastor, did you have something to say to me? Yes, I did, because I sent him to talk to you. Amen. So, yes, I had something to say to you. Amen. That's all that Matthew is doing. He's leaving. He's just saying, this is the overall thing. The overall picture is the centurion wanted to talk to Jesus. Amen. And so that's the first discrepancy, first issue I want to bring out. But the second thing I want to point out, dear ones, is as we look at this text, we are told that the centurion, what he actually says to Jesus, because he says, notice what he says. He says, verse 5, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lies at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Now, the word servant that this centurion uses is not the normal word in Greek that a person would use to describe a servant. Because that's the Greek word doulos. That's, it's not the normal word. The word that the centurion uses, in actuality, dear ones, it is describing a child. It's describing a child. 
So when this centurion says, a better way of reading it would be my servant boy or my servant who is a child lies at home sick of the palsy. And so this servant that the centurion is talking about is either a child that was purchased to be a servant or it is the offspring of other servants. They had two servants. They had a child by virtue of those other people being servants to this centurion. The child that's born is automatically a servant also. So I want for us to get in our minds. We're not talking about a grown adult. We're talking about a child here. The centurion is coming to Jesus saying, Jesus, I have this child that is sick, grievously tormented. He is a servant, but he's still a child. Will you come and heal him? And so, as I said, what we see here is a picture of a person who, because of his status and his position as a Roman centurion, there was this person had all of the power, the five power P's going for him. This person, because of his position as a Roman centurion, he had all of the five power P's going in his behalf. He had power, he had prestige, he had prominence, he had possessions, and he had position. He had all five of the power P's. And yet here, we see him using all of his resources in an effort effort to help somebody else who could not do anything for him in return, who could repay him in no way whatsoever, and that would not be able to advance him either in his position, his popularity, or in his power or prominence. This child could do nothing for this centurion. And yet this centurion is using all of his resources and all of his influence, everything he has at his disposal, he's using it to help this child. And dear ones, I would like to submit to each and every one of you that in the picture of what we're seeing the centurion doing here, this gives us a real and clear look at what it looks like for a person to really intercede for somebody else. This is what intercessory prayer looks like. We're talking that we just gave out the list. Asking you to pray for folk. For 30 days, eat that about. For 30 days straight. This is what intercessory prayer looks like. Right here. The person this, the person is being prayed for can't do anything for you. Can't, doesn't benefit you in any way. But you are using everything you got to help that other person. To intercede on that person's behalf. This person is interceding on the behalf of somebody else that in no way whatsoever could benefit him or repay him for what he is doing for him. And his motivation for doing all of this is so that the other person will be blessed, the other person will be benefited, and the other person will receive all that the Lord has for them. That's why they're doing it. That and that alone. In many ways, dear ones, many of when we begin to look at the type of intercession that we do or we, we say that we're doing, for in many ways, dear ones, what we have done in the past in our intercessory efforts, if you really look at it, there is a selfish and self-centered undertone to all that we have been doing. Now, that's from the pulpit to the door. If you look at the intercessory efforts that many of us have undertaken in the past, and you really begin to examine that thing, there is an undertone of selfishness and self-centeredness. There is that undertone. 
And the reason I say that, dear ones, is because our intercessory efforts primarily have centered around people who are our loved ones, our friends, our family, our co-workers. They center around people that we respect, that we care about, that we care for, that we admire. And they center around people that in some way, by me praying for you, it benefits me because you doing better helps me to feel better about myself or do better or it doesn't, re- it doesn't pull on me so much. Amen. And so by me praying for you, yes, I'm interceding, but in the truth is, in praying for you, I'm also praying to help myself. Yourself. It's tight. But it's right. It's the truth. And as Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, dear ones. This is Pastor Michael Fields. And here at the end of today's broadcast, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you to all of you for taking the time out of your day to tune in and listen to our program. My hope is that today's broadcast has been a blessing to you in some way and has helped you in your walk and in your relationship with the Lord. And I want to encourage all of you to tell a friend about this program and join us here next time as we look into the riches of God's Word in order to find a word for life. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525.